It's we're back. It's, it's Yoas This Racist <laughs> time. It's time for We're Back. It's Yo Is This Racist time. I'm one of your hosts, Tawny Newsome. <laughs> oh, I'm doing the other intro. Oops. What do you mean? Never mind. Kevin knows what I'm talking about. What's up? Oh, Who are you? <laughs> oh this is wonderful stuff. Uh, I'm still Andrew T. I'm just uh, keeping it very real here. Um, we are, what is this? It's still Yosis Racist, though. That has not changed. Um, yeah. And I was just trying to think of a way to work in how I tried and succeeded to teach Tawny how to count cards this weekend. You did teach me how. At Blackjack. I um, I allegedly can now count cards, and I allegedly spent some time with an app on my phone playing basic strategy Blackjack, but also counting cards. And I allegedly right. was doing pretty pretty well. And I allegedly <laughs> was up $14,000 in my little fake wow. app in my phone. Allegedly. Yeah, this is, this is absolutely correct. So this is if I ever get thrown out of a casino, you can't use this episode against me. I don't know if that's no. how that works. Yeah, that's right. This is proof. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> by, Shut up, by, Kevin. <laughs> by listening to this episode, you agree to not throw Tawny Newsom out of your casino. <laughs> that's a le- that's legally binding. <laughs> One of my favorite sections of our audience demographic are casino owners. We love all of our. <laughs> All of our wokey doke casino owners out there. Shout out to the kings or and queens. Or pit bosses. They're, they're Shout union out to members. The, the socially progressive pit bosses be listening to our show. We love you. To the presumed AI that now runs the eye in the sky. Um, you're cool. AI in the sky. Yeah. And call you, it of AI course, in the sky? AI, AI in the sky knows that this, when, when I say this is legally binding, of course, they know that it is truly legally binding because they're also um, internet attorneys. Mm-hmm. And that's correct. Okay. Somebody so said something about they're, they're already using like AI in some way to be uh, like defense barristers in the UK. Had you heard about this story? Only because some version of it. I, I think maybe the one I heard was in India. I heard the UK, and my question was just going to be, how do they get the little wig on the AI? I am so glad you asked, Hadi. And that is why I'm here to introduce my new line of little teeny virtual uh, wig NFTs for purchase <laughs> by <laughs> any uh, the discerning AI barrister. And this is not... This is not what you might think, right? It's not just a little cutie wig. This is a bespoke Uh digital wig experience for uh, NFT for the legal robot on the go. Okay. We will, we will download ourselves to your server (laughs) and measure your digital head and, uh, you know, of course, considering all the various aesthetics um, that you, the AI lawyer, might have mm-hmm. and um, really craft. So what we do, and this might mm-hmm. be, this is for the digital wig heads out there, is we actually have a team of uh, bespoke. Uh, they're not like exactly like, um, you know, uh union or maybe even fairly compensated um, mm. AI sweatshop laborers who mm. do 
create uh, each of these wigs strand by strand from digital it's hair. It's called ventilation. Yeah. So they're <laughs> ventilating. They're digitally ventilating digital hair for our, for your Correct. digital AI barrister. That's right. That's right. Wow. And the cruelty is just part of it. It's part of the premium um, that we at... Um, yeah. What are you called? Wig heads. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I, how did I lose it on what the wig company is called? <laughs> because, because it was all so out there that asking for a title for it was almost too concrete and it broke it's, all of us. It's too scary, too scary it's, to think about little digital lawyers. <laughs> I, I actually now, I mean, if Little Digital Lawyers isn't an ABC comedy next pilot season, I don't want to be in the business anymore. I just want, yeah, sort of like Perry Mason, except for it's just like a little, you put a hard drive that talks in the middle uh-huh. of the courtroom. Um, and of course, it has a little tiny wig because it's British. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that exonerates uh, people. You know, there's there'll be episodes with like, Oh no, the Wi-Fi went out, or like, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, our yeah. the the training simulation has been corrupted because uh, it started using um, Reddit advice instead mm-hmm. of um, legal sources. I can mm-hmm. see oh. the whole thing, and honestly, I I do think just to bring it back to something our listeners do want to hear us talk about because nobody asked for this. Um, I do think it needs to be a Star Trek spinoff because this has <laughs> intense Landrew vibes. So I do think it needs to be. Landrew colon little digital lawyer and it's a little it's a it's a sitcom spinoff of of Landrew the computer that controlled everybody in the original series and made them all kill each other for an hour every day you gotta uh, think about it yeah my pitch Got for uh, is a flashback episode where the hard drive is just a baby thumb drive oh, <laughs> yeah. oh cute. I love it yeah got a lot of flashbacks to when he was a little a little thumb drive um i remember when i first got formatted you would say (laughs) uh yeah so this is a show about racism um but (laughs) we listen to your voicemails about it but first we uh we talk about a little bit of star trek we talk about a little bit of dystopian ai future lawyers and then Mm -hmm. we um also get into a little bit of racism news and andrew has we're, we're, and that. we're trying a new thing. Uh, thanks to everyone who responded to our survey. Um, so we're trying. We're going to try out a couple things. One is we're going to start um, ending our shows with uh, a piece that uh, originated in our premium show, Yo Can We Live, which you can subscribe to at suboptimalpods.com. <laughs> oh, uh, called uh, just like excellencies, where we're just going to try to like um, try and succeed to highlight. <laughs> um, just things we've enjoyed uh, created by people of color or made by people of color or mm-hmm. starring, I guess. Uh, probably a lot of it, knowing us, will be entertainments of various kinds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that started at on Yo Can We Live, but we're going to just try to end our episodes of uh, Yo Is This Racist um, with that. And uh, look for other, like, we're, we're going to be shaking stuff up. Uh, we're going to be asking for your feedback because, um, you know, this is this is a listener-supported show and network. And so, you know, we want to do things yeah. that you like as long as we like doing them also. Yes, we like <laughs> those things. And the second part is more important than the first. No offense, everyone. <laughs> oh. um, all right. <laughs> what happened in the news relatively recently, Andrew? Um, I think the thing that I I was enjoying 
uh, the most. And I, I feel like I, I got to do a partial hot take on it. And it's a, it's a, it happened a couple weeks ago now, but um, the, uh, the, it was the um, women's uh, NCAA basketball championship. Um, so this was sort of like all over the Twitter and obviously all over the news. Um, but um, basically LSU won and, uh, defeated Iowa, I want to say state. Um, and they are, uh, the LSU team was, the Iowa team was, you know, majority white and just sort of had that white basketball team vibe. And, um, there was like the, the star on LSU was Angel Reese. The star on Iowa is Caitlin, Caitlin Clark. Clark. Yeah. Both were trash talking a lot, but, yeah. um, Caitlin Clark was sort of lauded as being competitive and, um, you know, yeah. v- very like, yeah, competitive and passionate. And Angel Reese was basically called um, in coded language. But her direct quote was at uh, the press conference after, I'm too hood, I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. Um, and, you know, that that has essentially been the subtext of every comment about her. And yeah, so that's the catch up. Her behavior classless and yes. using all this coded language that... I always, I also don't, look, I don't give a shit about sports. I don't understand the, like, uh, I, I don't understand the weird, like, valor that some people take up when they start talking about sportsmanship and class yeah. and how to lose with great, like, it seems so wild to me that, especially when it comes to, like, football, like, these are these games where mostly men just, like, smash into each other for an hour and a half and, like, well, and they try and... Full- Full-on fights in hockey, too. Like, every hockey game has, like, multiple fights. And then, like, a little shit talk in basketball is, like, this person should be kicked off the team. And it's yeah, I know. It's like, that's not how one behaves. Sportsmanship is everything. It becomes this weird, like, religion where I'm, like, no, this is a a game where people are, like, talking shit, chasing each other around, (laughs) trying to snatch something away from the other person to throw through a circle. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just seems like, yeah, of course you're going to, like, trash talk each other there's trash talk in podcasting like yeah. oh <laughs> hell yeah there is and as a matter of fact we have some shit to say no <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i just never understand the weirdo fucking pearl clutching about sportsmanship as though it's like this indicator mm-hmm. of of character and who yeah. a person is it's like no you got heated because someone took the ball you want to hold on to the ball and someone took it away and you're mad about it i would be mad but too I, I think that's what it is is it's like it's like all this like politeness shit is always asymmetrically applied. Yes. Like it's like, so that's, that's why it's like the pearl clutching mm-hmm. is because you probably hear it the most in basketball because basketball, I think I'm just going to guess confidently has like the highest percentage of like black players. And it's like, you know, the black American sport of choice. Like, so I think it's like, like, yeah, black culture is most prominent in basketball, I would think, say, of all the major sports. I think that's, like, safe to say. So that, But that's why all the pearl clutching. It's because occasionally you get a white guy who can shoot free throws, and they're like, that's the role model right there. Right. And, and they want to keep that, like, club. I think basketball is also, like, becoming a more people rooting for individual players more and more instead of teams. And so I think people, like, hone in on, like, this white player versus this black player and then just try to be like, I'm not talking about race. It's just like, 
sure, all of the players I like yeah. happen to be white, but like that's because <laughs> you know, and then they'll yeah. go into like weird like defending and it's uh, yeah. it's a yeah. to see all the time. Maybe that's it too. Yeah, but basketball. I mean, again, like Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird. It totally. was. It's like mm-hmm. the last outlet to like have any kind of cover for you to be just racist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, I'm, I'm just a Larry Bird fan. I just mm-hmm. get so tired of people demanding um, uh, grace and like humility from black people who are literally like at the top of their game or experts in their field. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. especially for something that is so, like, you know, who I want like grace and humility from is like, I don't know, my my doctor. Like, if I undergo heart surgery, <laughs> I want, like, my doctor to be very, like, it's not even humility. I just want, like, a chill vibe. You know who I don't expect <laughs> that from? A 19-year-old superstar fucking basketball player yeah. who's, who is hot shit at what she does. Like, yeah, her personality is going to be a little wild. Yeah. And who's like, also, I, like, I committed their whole life to a physical activity. So, yeah. like, it's a double it's standard to be, it. like, as a as a fan to say, I want you to put a hundred percent of your mind, body, and spirit into this, but I don't want you to also get emotional. I want you to get emotional, but in certain ways, but I need you to tone it down over here. But you know, if something goes bad, then you need to be like, though that's fine. I don't I don't care. It's yeah. a lot of yeah. like, I want you to be passionate and care about it, but not too passionate and don't care about it too much. Right. And don't demonstrate that you know how great you are at it. So with that, I even take back my humility from my heart surgeon comment. Like, I don't want those black doctors to be humble either. Like, I want people who are great at what they do to be able to be loud about it without people calling it classless. I just want to, yeah, I wanted to. so funny. It's a, we're all chasing a ball around a a little square. Yeah. (laughs) What are we doing? Class is the cut, class, not class as an economic class, but like class as a dignity is like, yeah, just the cudgel that fucking white people use to, Mm -hmm. when they want to, to apply to people. I did want to also say, I, of course, would love to see my heart surgeon just like spike the scalpel, just like, nailed it. Yeah. Just like get in the other surgeon's face. You're like, fuck you. Yeah. I guess Your in this scenario, died. in this scenario, there's like two surgeons operating next to each other, kind of like a couple's massage room. That's, that's the scenario we've set up here. Look, we don't know shit about medicine. I should not make analogies until I know more about things, but yeah. Well, and obviously, you're, you, you shouldn't, you did sign an NDA because, um, Tawny's competitive uh, heart surgery league is coming out this fall on NBC, and I'm yeah. pretty sure you weren't supposed to leak it before the marketing it's, people. It's a combination of a um, a procedural like Grey's Anatomy and Monday Night Football. Yeah, Ooh. <laughs> coming to coming to CBS this fall. We have a whole slate of shows coming this fall. I um, love a slate. Who doesn't love a slate of too. shows? Um. <laughs> Literally, I think America. (laughs) No one, no one likes a slate. America, Uh, America Uh, but so the other thing I wanted to to get to, which was the soapbox I was trying to climb on, uh, is that so after all this, no, no, not sorry. This is the content, the journey. Uh, but then, but since since we have the t- dis- the luxury of the distance of this, um, fucking after with this, Jill Biden was like, "Oh yeah, well maybe we should invite both teams to the White House." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, normally only the winners of uh, the championships get invited to the White House, but um, but since Black Lady Mean, let's make white people feel good too, and let's just have everyone welcome, everyone dinner party. Let's go. Yeah. 
which is like, first of all, truly like how humiliating for the white people to get like a pity invite from Jill Biden. Um, But like, I also, the thing I wanted to like, like talk about is this like thing where, you know, the Bidens or like, like the democratic people in power have this reflexive thing to give a shit about white people more than black people in a way that is like so annoying to me and possibly will bring about the end of this planet. Well, (laughs) they have such an obsession with fairness that is so inconsiderate of the complexities of intersectionality. Because when fairness... We we didn't all start fair. It didn't start fair. So you can't just blanket apply your idea of fairness to each situation without taking into without taking into consideration the complexities of the situation. So like to to if you previously have only ever invited winning teams and the one time you're going to break that rule is because uh, some white people are sad. Like, yeah. look, just step back and look at the optics of that and think yeah. again, yeah. find a different solution. I understand wanting to, like, the the urge, the very nice white liberal urge to want to band-aid things that feel icky, yeah. but this ain't the way, Dr. Jill. Well, right, because it doesn't band-aid. Like, it is like... It band-aids it for people like her. Like, she gets yeah. to go see, okay, everyone, shake hands, you know, yeah. everybody shake hands as you walk down the... Uh, whatever receiving line before you go get your orange slices. What do they do in sports? Don't you have to like high five each other? That actually is pretty close. Hey, <laughs> it makes it makes Doctor Jill feel better. Yeah, I I will go even further and say, and this is not, I think, a popular or possibly even correct opinion. And I know it's not like a zero sum thing, but every time. Like, we'll just say the Bidens of the world, which is, like, usually the Democratic establishment. Like, think what they're doing is reaching out across the Mm -hmm. aisle to, like, moderate Republicans or shit. Like, they they are saying, like, yes, it's nice in theory to be like, we bridge gaps, we are da da. But, like, in reaching out, and not that the people of Iowa or or these Iowa basketball players are this necessarily. I'm just more like, this is also part of their tradition of like giving a shit about like racist, but economically depressed workers in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And my thing with this that makes me so fucking mad is like, it's not just like, you don't just reach out and expand the tent. Every time you reach out with your policies to help these fucking racists usually Mm -hmm. you are not helping someone else it's the same with this like oh like we can have differences of opinion with these like anti-trans bigots Mm -hmm. and it's not what you're doing is showing you care more about the bigots feelings than the lives of trans people in this most you know in this example or like black folks or whatever like and you're showing that by behaving like this and i'm talking to all of the like mostly white people online who are calling the behavior classless and disgusting and whatever whatever you're showing them that that type of behavior will yield results yeah it's like like we're all caving to this yeah i mean there's also like i feel like none of us like i mean the the not to pivot into a thing that I didn't put on our little bullet point list, partially because it was the same as last time we talked about it, which is like all the like anti-trans stuff is just like transparent, like just bigotry, like the Mm. Republicans and conservatives since as long as we've been alive have just been 
their organizing political principle is what's the bigotry we can get away with. Mm. Like that has been exactly the most powerful way of predicting what they're going to do next mm -hmm. uh, at every minute of my regrettably long life. And the fact that like, you know, liberal people like the New York times is like going like fucking tripling down on this anti-trans shit. Um, it's like, you know, again, quote unquote liberal, like whatever, obviously those terms don't really have meaning in, in this case. Um, but yeah, it's like, we fucking fall for, we, like those people fall for it every time. Like, oh, well, maybe we should in, like investigate this stuff. And it's getting worse. Um, sorry, I took things in a non-fun direction. We started fun. I got on the soapbox. Now it's it's uh, interesting reading like the discourse too about it. Like, so Angel Reese tweeted just two words, a joke. And then a bunch of people, I liked some of the responses defending her. Like Stephen A. Smith said, this is a, I agree. This is a bad suggestion. Runners up. Don't get invited to the White House. Why are we changing it now? And then mm -hmm. Cori Bush said, when black women lead, folks start moving the goalpost and changing yeah. the rules. Mm -hmm. I will play mm -hmm. it a good game, but let L LSU be celebrated as highly as others winning the championship. Mm -hmm. And then another point I really like is if Iowa won, they would not have done this for LSU. Yeah. No. There's no 100% no. Ain't no way. Ain't no yeah. way. They would have been like, all those people with their fucking sportsmanship kink that they're obsessed with would have been like, fair is fair, losers <laughs> and winners, the clear division that defines how we see the world and operate. Mm -hmm. And it speaks mm -hmm. to your character, how you respond to this holy hierarchy that we have created about a game with a ball in a hoop. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think sportsmanship is stupid. And I think if you care about it, you're annoying to me. <laughs> That's what I'll that say. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I can't think of a better way to end this first act. <laughs> and we'll come back with some voicemails. Fuck sports. All right, well, we're back. I'm willing to concede that if sportsmanship <laughs> has taught you a lesson in your life about how to be a better person, I'm happy for you. Or if it's taught your kid a lesson, I'm happy for you. But as someone who grew up with none of those lessons, I think I'm still a pretty good person, so I don't place the value on the holy trinity of fucking ball hoop and uniform or whatever the fuck. Yeah, <laughs> so I also... I think there's other places to learn this shit, and those of you who act <laughs> like it's the end-all, be-all are irritating. Yeah, listen, I agree with Tati 100% because I am at the age where I'm starting to have friends with kids who are jocks, and guess what? Even though these are quote-unquote good kids... Fuck these kids. Sports <laughs> is making them into lunatics. <laughs> um, I feel a little hypocritical because I'm like, I 100% agree. I will get off this Zoom and play an unpaused sports video game I was playing. Um, so I will say sports can also teach you how not to behave. Um, so that is yeah. that was helpful, too. I played a lot of sports throughout my childhood and did learn some good things. Also learned a lot of things about I will never act like Coach Brian. And yeah. some Ooh. weird things like that have helped in, in ways. I think what it is, is there are, are good things about it. But to me, it's like, again, well, I don't know. Like, like, there's a lot of things that have good elements that are on sure. the balance bad. Sure, yeah. Um, and this is another one of them. Yes, of course. Some, But like most it's, it's fine. Bad. It's just it's just the people that hold it up like it's this it's so all valuable religion that I'm like. I, yeah. The yeah. fandom I gets think out I of just, hand. 
I need you to apply this to other things in your life. I need you to get these lessons from other things in your life so that whether or not a 19-year-old teenager waves her hand in front of her face in a mocking gesture, like that shouldn't upend your world, 50-year-old white man logging onto Twitter. That should not (laughs) stress you out so much. Yep. And it didn't stress you out when Caitlin Clark was doing it. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, also, I'm like, uh, if you've never hung, th- t- to me, sometimes I'm like, I feel like basketball is a bunch of white people watching majority black people. It's a bunch of white people who do not actively hang out with black people watching majority black people. So then when they see like how uh, <laughs> a bunch of black people like behaving how they want to behave, it's like shocking to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm like, you've never seen, have you never seen like your uncles trash talk each other at a cookout like that? Just mm-hmm. <sighs> you clearly have not. Sounds like Tawny's a real sports head here. She's got I, real takes. I my favorite sport was watching my aunties absolutely just destroy one another with one sentence about my other auntie's greens. And like that was <laughs> game over. That's a good <laughs> sport. Was, there were no 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 other points to be made. That was that was done. That counts. That counts. <laughs> um, should we do uh, a voicemail? Yeah. Absolutely. Here's the first one. Hi, so I'm a white woman on dating apps. Uh, I have BLM and ACAB in my profile. Um, I do recognize that it can be pretty does virtue signaling, but it does weed out a demographic of people I don't want to be around. And I get a message recently from a black man that says, first and foremost, Thank you for the BLM support with a bunch of, like, fist emojis. Uh, what do I say in response? Is there any appropriate chill response? The salute emoji. My gut just says, like, <laughs> for sure. But, like, a thank you or you're welcome feels weird. Thanks for any advice. Don't you think the time has passed? Like, <laughs> I... <laughs> I know this man's just been waiting for a response for <laughs> five months or whatever. Um, my baby doll, wh- why can't you just say to that man, yeah, it's not perfect, but it weeds out the racists? Like, why can't you just say what you just said to us, which is like, I'll admit, when you said that those things were in your profile, I made a small face. Like, I, I rolled my eyes a little at you. But then when you followed up with, but it, you know what? It weeds people out. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, because you're like a white woman. If you have yeah. white men coming at you, like, who knows what you're going to get? I understand mm-hmm. just needing, like, some filters. So why can't you just say that to this black man? Then you don't have to say, you're welcome, or, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't have to be a heavy thing. You could just say, like, yeah, it weeds out It weeds out some trash. <laughs> I Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like the honesty of, like, why that's there. I guess there is that whole dance of, like, like most shit like this, it's like, there's people sometimes I think forget there's multiple audiences for something like a dating profile or a podcast about racism or whatever. And the thing, the fact is it just serves very different purposes (laughs) for different types of people. And it's very hard to get them both correct. Right. Cause the other thing you're going to get caller, not to make you feel weird about having that in in your profile. I, I think you should do what you want. You're also going to get, black and brown people who roll their eyes at it and maybe don't engage because of that. So that's a little bit of a risky run, but is that, 
is, is that just a risk you're willing to take so that you can keep like the hardcore <laughs> yeah. confederates out of your mentions? I just, I mean, look, when I when I was on dating apps, there's there, the, the amount of times when you see shit on there that's like both just like, you know, no racists or like, yeah. my favorite is also like no liars and no cheaters. And they're sort of two separate things, but the no racist thing is like, I just think it's on you if you're living your swipe life in a way that <laughs> racists are maybe in there. <laughs> like, that feels like an odd you thing. But how do they know? They don't know who's looking at them. But also, no racist is going to come across that and be like, oh, she said no racist. Guess I'll <laughs> yeah. keep moving. Guess I'll swipe left. <laughs> it's, yeah. the same with, it's the same with the no liars. It's like, they're liars. <laughs> but... <laughs> Like, what well, if, if you're a liar, don't swipe but right. But that's like the very, logical uh, problem with the sphinxes. Like, my brother always goes through the door yeah. that's the full of truths. What what they're saying is, I don't. I only want the liars who aren't honest with themselves about being liars. Yeah. <laughs> like, who's, who's swiping on that shit? But, like, that's why I feel like the caller's solution is a, a little better than that. Because mm-hmm. she's saying some buzzwords that are going to make... Uh, yeah. the obvious bigots steer clear. Yeah, and it, but it does sound like, yeah, your first uh, hit of just, have you considered just telling the truth? Like, yeah, sorry, I put this up there because it keeps me from getting, like, matching with people who are racist sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I think that's all you can say. <laughs> and, and it's fine. It's fine, whatever you gotta do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But also, again, it's just like, listen, I know not everyone has the same um, racism dar that I do. Um, But like, and look, I don't, I don't like date straight men, I guess. So I I know that it is a nightmare out there of liars and dickheads. But I just feel like you could tell who's racist from their dating profile. That's all. Definitely in a few sentences. Yeah. Just a yes. few qu- quick sentences. Maybe we could come up with some for people to use here. Like, it, you, you match with somebody. Ooh, this is fun. Oh, cool. What do you do for a living? Also, how do you define... No, when, when's the last time reverse racism was done unto you? And see what they oh, say. Oh, smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they take yes. the bait and they think reverse racism is a thing, fucking block. Yeah, it's yeah. easy to trick trick these little goons. <laughs> these little and goons. that should be that should be part of the fun. You're, yeah. Listen, obviously, being on a, a dating app is not super fun. But if you think of it as a game of tricking the little goblins, the little racist <laughs> goblins, maybe uh-huh. that's your sport. You know, uh-huh. that's a sport in its I can own turn way. Turn that into a sport: tricking little mm-hmm. goons. Hmm. <laughs> Tony's yeah. is like, okay, how do we do this? So we have mm. a court. Yeah, okay, come up with a... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get like a game designer on it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> um, I think that's that, uh, that, that, that should suffice for an answer. We got a real answer and we got, we got, some, we got some ideas for the, for the caller. Yeah, 70% real answer, 30% joke answer. That feels like... That's our way, sweet spot. Way better for, than normal for the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's above our sweet spot. Hi, uh, Andrew and Tawny and everybody else. Uh, Ooh. So, so uh, I am a uh, middle-aged uh, white uh, from upstate New York. 
uh, my job had a DEI speaker um, that was like a big event for everybody in our organization. But uh, as the resident IT department, we had to leave someone behind um, in case of emergencies. And my boss picked me uh, because I am the, quote, most woke. Um, and <laughs> while it makes sense that uh, I would uh, get the least out of it, I suppose, it still made me feel weird. Uh, that the decision was made based on the fact uh, that I was the uh, most anti-racist, rabble-rousy one of uh, the uh, organization. Uh, thanks for everything you do. <laughs> okay. I actually love this. I love this because, <laughs> because I'm imagining myself in an alternate life being some sort of manager of some sort of team of a business that makes a product or service i don't know how real jobs work and imagine i have a team of of five and four of these dudes really need a fucking dei training class and one of them is fine i'm like brian i don't have to worry about brian brian's yeah. fine yeah. he's or always at least, you know, least of your worries least of my worries is brian and we're we're they're going we gotta leave one behind I'm, of course, leaving Brian behind. But you know what? <laughs> what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to tell Brian why. I'm not going to tell him why. Yeah. No. I'm just going to say I'm taking your four colleagues. Maybe if Brian's really down, I'll give him a little wink and I'll be like, I think you know why I'm taking these four. <laughs> yeah. But uh, probably probably not. I'm probably just going to be like, yeah, I think the other four, I think they're going to really get something out of this. So y'all come with me and you take the day and stay here. <laughs> and, and that's just that manager talk, talking too much. Yeah, I. It's but I don't disagree compliment. with. It, it's yeah. a weird compliment. It's a weird thing to say, but I do not disagree with the tactic because we've all been there where we're looking around and we're like, "Man, four, you really need to fucking have this conversation," and one of you's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I guess the problem is, I'm. You know, Brian is not perfect, probably, no. but it is just like, a, what are you gonna do? Obviously, yeah. Brian. Brian's not gonna cause he's least likely to cause some issues here. Mm -hmm. And yeah. also these things are largely not bullshit, but like they are a mere step. Right. They are a tiny necessary, but not even close to sufficient portion of this thing. So what are you going to fucking do? What are you going to do? I'm definitely not leaving behind Mark because yeah, Mark posted Mark some shit on his Facebook last week racist. that he didn't think I saw, but he ne he needs this class. <laughs> that leads he me to my... That leads me to my suggestion, Tawny, which is the manager should have put five names in a hat, put Mark's <laughs> name twice and your name zero times and said, I'm just going to pull four <laughs> names out of a hat. <laughs> Whatever four I pull, they're coming with me. They're coming with this me. Ah, oh, dang, Brian, looks like you're staying here. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. What are the odds? Well, I, I mean, yeah, look, well, obviously a, a corporate thing where they have a, a, like... Uh, diversity training, but it's possible for quote-unquote mission-critical people to not go means that it's not that important. 
Yeah, right. Like That's the diversity the training issue. is not that important to the company because you could just have two sessions, my dudes. Yeah. Because yeah. you know what that makes me worry about is that whatever other departments were like, hey, you have to leave one behind. Like mm-hmm. some other manager made that decision way in the wrong way. Like some yeah, other yeah. manager was like, well, I'm going to leave Mark behind because he definitely does not like talking about this stuff. This yeah, will make him too- uncomfortable. Yeah, He's too related. To I think here. Joe Biden had some good points about the LSU <laughs> controversy. Yeah, we'll leave Mark home. We'll leave Mark. Yeah, home. Mark's saying. Mark's saying. Plus, Mark is my best worker. So. <laughs> yeah, Mark's my best worker. I don't want him to have to think about his actions and words. <laughs> we love Mark. Oh my god, um, this is such a funny non-problem that is, of course, just a weird. It's just. It's just. It's by design. These DEI things are both often coming from a good place and in some small way necessary, but so far from perfect or any sort of solution that it's, yeah. d- there's just endless options to mock everything about them. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and speaking of, yeah, actually, uh, everyone keeps sending in their HR diversity trading uh, horror stories. We're building up a log. We'll they're probably, great. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see more of them. They're, they're fun and we'll, we'll roll them out <laughs> as we mm-hmm. get them, I guess. What else? So here's here's where we're going to try a new fucking thing, which is an old thing for people who are subscribers to Suboptimal uh, Pods or to uh, Yo Can We Live, um, which is uh, I, I had an excellency. Um, we're going to try it. ending the show for a little bit. Um, that with uh, with excellencies, which is again originated on Yo Can We Live, but we're bringing it into the main feed. Um, but yeah, if you want to hear more of this positive not racism stuff although this excellency happens to contain quite a bit of talk of racism God within it, it. Um, but that's not the that was not the intent um, anyway yeah yoko we live is our show where we're we're not talking about racism we're just trying to live or celebrate people of color and so our excellencies uh, are yeah just things uh by people of color that we like um, and I saw um, Twilight Los Angeles uh, at the Mark Taper Forum. I'm not a theater person. So this also slightly dovetails with that discussion we had about Sundays at the Park with George that people seemed to like. Where I did not know uh, anything about the theater, it turns mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Twilight Los Angeles is, um, oh, crap. There was a term for it, and now I don't remember it. And this is where I'm going to look to theater school. Um, but it, 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 it was like a, the type of play because it, it was a play by uh, put on by Anna Devere Smith. Um, at, that was like based. Uh, the dialogue is entirely taken from interviews she conducted after the LA riots. Yeah. So the show is a one woman show uh, that was written and performed by Anna Devere Smith, who you might know from Blackish. She played Alicia on Blackish, Rainbow's mom. And so it's a series of monologues that she took from interviews with real people and uh, slightly fictionalized versions of people after the uh, L.A. riots, the uprising. Yeah. I, yeah, I, the, the, I, I still don't remember the term, but it, essentially Verbatim the term theater? I was told. No, it was the one It was like, like, like not new, but like reporting theater or something like that. Or mm-hmm. like, anyway, the, the, the dialogue, by and large, although it's sort of edited because there are scenes where where characters are sort of talking to each other, but is is mostly verbatim ish from actual interviews with you know people involved um, in in the uh, aftermath and the the events leading up to the LA riots, um, mm-hmm. Rodney King, mm-hmm. the the Rodney King beating by the LAPD, but you know she she did a really uh, 
uh, amazing job. Honestly, this is something. So I knew very little about this play. Um, but so honestly, I was like the person. Or it's like theater question number one. Yeah. Who actually reads all that shit in the playbill? Because I read all of it. So it's a mixture. So we talked about this when we talked about Sunday in the Park with George. Like a lot of times the playbill is there to kind of set the stage for you. I think the best uh, uh, I- inclusions in a, in a playbill are the things that, you know, aren't giving you a full plot synopsis, but are kind of setting the scene and also giving you info like who's in it, what other things they've been in. It just kind of like primes you to the experience. But mm-hmm. it's perfectly valid to go in and read nothing. You don't have to read anything. Okay. This one, I think, maybe because I was just more curious about the topic, about how yeah. it was put together. So I read, yeah, like all of it. <laughs> I mean, I guess I not all the act- actor bios. But yeah, so it was like put together and like she like went around and was like like just interviewing um, people. And, and the, the point of the play is like kind of this like speaking of like, <laughs> you know, earlier I was talking about bullshit senses of balance. Um, this probably was a more... It definitely a more even-handed balance because you know she talks to multiple like high-level police officers that mm. were involved and and like um, interviews, um, you know, and it gets into the the aftermath of the riots. So there's she interviews like um, like Korean people, Korean immigrants who like uh, you know have opinions that it's not like terrible, terrible, but like, you know, just very anti-black that that sentiment that was in that part of the Korean community at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just like, it's like very like transcripty. It's just like, shit, this is yeah. what people said for real. Well, um, and were you aware at the time? Cause when you saw it at the, at the taper, that production has a cast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's what? Eight people. Uh, it's five, five people. Five people. Um, and the show was originally conceived and performed and debuted as just Anna Devere Smith playing all those roles. So yes. to see those points of view coming, all of that transcripty stuff coming out of the mouth of a black woman is a different experience than. Yes. And it's a so, cast of color, right? Or Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, so they, they basically, they have, uh, they, at least the production I saw, a white guy, an Asian woman, a Latina woman and a black man and a black woman um, mm-hmm. playing, but they they mostly play it like to the because because that is the sort of like gamut of the types of people that were interviewed, mm-hmm. um, and, and so so it's mostly people portraying sort of their race at least, um, but then it starts to waver. That actually was going to lead to my third question. But before I get to my third question, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. my second question, <laughs> which is. Um, is it like, so I know that like, like, I think like among actors, like this show is like one of the, it's, it's obviously like a show of virtuosity because editor Smith is performing like something like, I don't know, I, the number like in the eighties, but that feels like maybe too many, but anyway, what dozens, yeah, dozens of, no, 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 of like characters. Oh, characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some, something like that. It's like, it's like, you know, dozens upon dozens upon dozens. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I can understand from, like, a craft aspect, that's, like, amazing how difficult yeah. and, like, how... I guess, though, as a viewer, I walked out of there being, like, I'm really glad there were five people here because I think I would have been really confused, <laughs> like, if it's just yeah. one person. It, um, it, it, the thing that happens with a show like that, and again, this came out in 92, so it's kind of the conversation we were having about Sunday where, like, um, our... M- media training i don't think that's even the right word but like our ability to process art is just different now than it was 
But a show like that, a one-person show like that, has to kind of train you how to watch it and listen to it. And so if you had seen it back then as she performed it, I don't think you would have been confused. It was a smash hit, and it was a smash hit with people who were avid theater goers and people who were more casual. And I think, because I think it's written well enough that it did a good job of training you as you watch. It's like whenever you start any Shakespeare anything, you start watching it. The first, like, 10 minutes, you, you have to recalibrate your ear to, like, be able to listen to it. Right. And I, I think it's the same thing with one person shows. Okay. I, yeah, I just walked out of there thinking like, man, I think I would have had such a hard time. Look, I the- saw it with dumbasses, and we were 18 in theater school. Like if a bunch of 18 year old idiots could figure yeah. it out and have intelligent conversations afterwards, you at your age now certainly would have been fine. <laughs> Okay. I just was like, man, I don't I don't know if I, I'm up for it. But I like I really liked this particular production. However, mm-hmm. I will just my one not note, because it's just like um <laughs> it was very weird. Um and it just it, it did really take me out of it. But um so mostly it's it's characters just playing both their own race, um, and each actor played one character. The one person that they, well, there's two people, but one that they very prominently broke into multiple characters was there's like a Cornell West, um, <laughs> like interview segment at the beginning of the yeah. second act. And for some reason, Cornell West's dialogue was broken up between all five of yes. the actors. And it really had this like schoolhouse rap kind of vibe to it. That was really tough. Look, Andrew, the other thing that we all know is that corny is not necessarily a crime. And unfortunately, sometimes sometimes theater veers off into the corny. And I suspect that's what might have been happening there. It was, it was, yeah, it was pretty corny, but you know, it was just, but it was also a, such a choice because that was the only person for whom they broke up the words. And then yeah. we just had like the actors like jumping in and doing the one line, tagging it with another person, even though it's supposed yeah. to be from the same actor. I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. I, unfortunately, I think you just haven't been dunked in enough um, experimental theater to have much of a stomach for that. And that is okay, because I think it largely sounds like not the best part of the production. <laughs> no, it, I mean, and it was fine, but I was like, huh. <laughs> it, yeah. it just it just jumped out at me so much. I was like, oh, man, what a, what a way to restart the act. Um, but yeah, as far as like theater goes, it's, it was wonderful. Um, I guess it's not obviously a very commonly put on play because it's very difficult to adapt, um, for any number of reasons. I don't know Um, how commonly it's produced, but I mean, you know, I was in theater school 10 years after it came out and it was still, boy, we were using those monologues all the time for auditions. It's big. It's big theater school energy for sure. Oh, okay. See, I'm learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andrew's learning about the theater. But yeah, it was fucking great. I believe it's still up for a little while if you're in Los Angeles. But I would say actually probably, and this maybe is on my to-do list, um, uh, a, a more important thing would be for me to track down um, a, a recording of Anna DeVere Smith doing it now that I feel like I can like... Yeah. understand it. I just really was like, man, I this would be so hard for me. But yeah, that's that is my excellency, longer than usual, mainly because I had a bunch of theater questions. I just looked up because I I thought it won the Tony, but it did not. It was nominated for the Tony in '94. You know who it lost to? The second part of Angels in America. 
Angels in America Perestroika. So oh, shit. that tells you something about the theater landscape at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. That was, I mean, theater goers. We were dealing with big things in 94. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we're, we come to the theater to be challenged. Yes. Um, but yeah, this was, yeah, this was, I will say this was like a, uh, they did such a nice job with the uh, the light and sound and, and uh, sound design. And there's a, there's a video element because they play, um, both the Rodney King and the, uh, fuck, the white guy whose name I can't remember. Reginald Denny. Reginald Denny, like, um, beatings. Um, and, mm-hmm. and they are, it's like one of those, I hadn't watched them since I was like a kid, I think. I, it mm-hmm. hadn't come up. It was, it was such a, it was a good production for me, who's someone who has not seen much theater. I was like, I really get it. It's very well, clear. Let us know, listeners, if you want us to maybe do a watch along. There's a 2000 film ap- adaptation with Anna doing all the roles that oh, I have shit. not seen since it came out in the year 2000. Um, shout out to Conan O'Brien. Um, so I <laughs> I do not remember <laughs> much about it. Because uh, I've, yeah. So let us know if you'd like to hear us do a far too flippant watch along over top of this very powerful play. I mean, look, and yeah, we're, as as we said at the top, this is, uh, you know, listener-supported show. Um, and so uh, we appreciate everyone subscribing or telling people about uh, Suboptimal Pods. Um, we will be experimenting a little bit with format, um, just trying to get you guys what you want. Um, so yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Suboptimalpods.com. Thanks for subscribing. 323-389-7223. That's 323-389-RACE. Thank you for your voicemails and your HR uh, voicemails. Uh, yes. I don't know. Is that it? That's it. I, Thank I you. I briefly, briefly joined Substack Post, but I don't like it, so still no social media. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> this is Suboptimal. So